Here's a few quick notes about the show. Southern Girl Crime Stories is a podcast focused mostly on lesser-known true crime cases, consisting of cold cases, soft cases, identified Jane and John Doe's, along with missing persons and murder victims. You can follow the show on social media, on Instagram at Southern Girl Crime Stories, on Twitter at SG Crime Stories, or search Facebook for Southern Girl Crime Stories. If you're interested in getting some merch, visit my YouTube channel, or you can donate directly via Venmo or PayPal following the links in the description. You can submit case suggestions to southerngirlcrimestories at gmail.com or DM me on social media. Please be sure to check out my YouTube channel for these stories along with photos of victims, suspects, locations of murders, and more. Kirsten Bruggeman was born to Lisa and Rex Bruggeman. At the age of 26, she was living with her parents in Indianapolis, Indiana, and had a son. They described her as a free spirit, fun, with a stubborn streak, and a lot of love for her furry friends. On January 1, 2021, she called her mother and told her that she wouldn't need her to pick her up from her job at CeCe's Pizza because she was going out with friends. She met with friends at the Irish Mutt in Indianapolis, where they stayed until around midnight. Reportedly, Kirsten's ex-boyfriend, Eddie Bradford, that she remained friends with, showed up to the pub and saw that Kirsten was already drunk, so he left. He went home, which was very close to the pub, but later returned with his friend, Jared Cremerer. They were soon joined by Jared's friend, Olivia Dufour, and Robin Labrook Hurt. The bar closed earlier than usual at midnight due to the COVID pandemic, and they all ended up leaving the bar. Kirsten and Bradford got into an argument because she wanted to go with them to the bowling alley, but they said no because she was drunk and offered to drive her home instead. She allegedly hit the window of the car that one of the other girls were driving. The group took off and left her standing in the parking lot to avoid an altercation as she was known to be violent when intoxicated. After they left, she reportedly texted one of them and said she was getting an Uber ride home. The group then went to a bowling alley in Beach Grove, but it was closed, so the girls dropped off the guys at Bradford's apartment by the Irish Mutt, and then they allegedly went home. Meanwhile, Kirsten took off walking on foot and was last seen on a security camera at exactly 1.58 a.m. walking through the YMCA parking lot. It's unknown where exactly Kirsten was during the previous hour and a half before she was seen on surveillance video walking. The footage showed her walking through the parking lot of the Harper J. Ransburg Branch YMCA at 501 North Short Ridge Road on the east side of Indianapolis at 2 a.m. on January 2nd. Kirsten was walking in an area of the parking lot that was fenced in. Her mother had a sudden mother's intuition type feeling about 12.30 a.m. and called Kirsten. But the call went straight to voicemail because her battery was likely dead. The camera was malfunctioning and was going on and off briefly, which cut out an important part. Because of the fence, Kirsten would have had to either climb over the fence or turn around, but that wasn't caught on the footage. There was reportedly a hole in the fence behind the trash bins that she could have gone through, and she might have known this, and maybe that's why she was heading in that direction. 
It's unknown if she was walking to the bowling alley where her friends were headed, but the YMCA is on the way to the only 24-hour bowling alley in the greater Indianapolis area, which is six miles away from the YMCA and a two-hour walk from the Irish Mutt Pub. There are also a couple bowling alleys much closer to the pub, but they would have been closed at that time as well. The temperature that night was only 34 degrees Fahrenheit and the wind was blowing. Locals state that this is not a route that is safe for anyone to take at night alone as it is one of the least safe areas of the city and most of the area is very dark. There are numerous surveillance cameras in the area where she went missing and it's possible that law enforcement has more footage but have not released it to the public for whatever reason. If she did go through the hole in the fence, she would have quickly come upon the back of the Abbey Meadows apartments, but no one ever reported seeing her there. It is reported that at exactly 2.38 a.m., just after the YMCA surveillance video cuts back in, a dark vehicle is seen on camera leaving the apartments headed north. It's unknown if that vehicle has anything to do with her disappearance or if it's a mere coincidence or it could have possibly been an Uber she reached out to using someone else's phone. The view in the photo is from the Cisco Seed Company that faces the YMCA across the street, so the vehicle would be heading north or to the left and towards 10th Street. Kirsten was reported missing when she didn't return home. Her mother had hoped that maybe she had been arrested so that she would at least know where her daughter was, but she hadn't been, and a year and a half later, she still remains missing. Olivia, the girl who owned the car that Kirsten hit that night, stated that she has felt guilty since finding out that Kirsten was missing along with the other people there that night. She also stated in an online post that detectives didn't reach out to her for her side of the story for nearly a year. Kirsten has a record consisting of 11 criminal actions from 2012 to 2020, including but not limited to two DWIs, battery of an officer, probation violation, public intoxication, possession of marijuana, and drug paraphernalia. Her parents, left not knowing what happened to their daughter, hired a private investigator and put up a reward for information leading to her safe return. However, Kirsten remains missing, and as of today, this case remains unsolved. Christiana Marie Jackson was born April 22, 2005, to parents John and Kimmy Jackson. She was described as very lively and always smiling and proud to be a big sister. At the age of seven, she lived in Elkhart, Indiana with her family that was described as a happy and normal one. Her father was working a factory job while her mother was a hairstylist. She attended Mary Daly Elementary School and was known as the little girl that loved to read, dance, and swim. On August 17, 2012, Christiana and her mom went to the local Memorial High School's football game while John stayed home with their seven-month-old son. The girls returned home about 10.30 p.m. from the game, and as they were making their way on the porch, they were suddenly approached by two, possibly three, armed gunmen. Christiana's father, John, who had been at home, ran to them on the front steps of their home when he heard the screaming. When John opened the front door, he grabbed Christiana, who was closer to the porch than his wife, Kimmy. After grabbing her, he ran back toward the front door, all while the men were firing at them. John was shot multiple times as he was trying to protect his family. 
Once back inside the house, John saw that his baby girl, Christiana, was also shot. Miraculously, Kimmy was not shot at all and frantically called 911 as the coward scurried into the night like rodents. Shortly after Christiana arrived at the hospital, doctors performed emergency brain surgery in an attempt to save her life. She survived the surgery, but her prognosis was not good. John survived the attack, but sadly, Christiana remained on life support for two days before eventually passing away. Her parents made the decision to donate her organs as a way of ensuring that something positive would result from the terrible tragedy. Detectives were sent to the hospital to interview both parents, but neither John nor Kimi had any idea who the gunmen had been nor why they had been targeted. The men who attacked them had been wearing masks, making it impossible for the victims to describe what they looked like, but they didn't believe it had been anyone they knew or would recognize. It's unknown if the men were planning a home invasion, not knowing John was home, and panicked and began shooting once they saw John, or if they were there to purposely kill someone. Detectives won't reveal many new details about the case, including a motive or whether they have any persons of interest or suspects, but they do say they need information from the people who know what happened and say they know the killers are out there. Kimmy and John are also hoping that someone will come forward with answers so they can get justice for their little girl that would be 17 years old this year. However, as of June 2022, this case remains unsolved. Larissa Marie Sam was born in 1992. At the age of 22, she was living in Indianapolis, Indiana, and had a young son named Marcus that she loved dearly. She was a talented singer and scheduled to audition on American Idol. On Saturday night, June 21, 2015, she finished her shift about 1 a.m. at the Classy Chassis where she worked as a dancer. She then went to her Uncle Rusty's house for drinks in the Mars Hill area, which must have been unusual because she texted him asking for his address. While there, she posted on Facebook looking for a texting buddy along with her phone number. Her uncle said she left his house at 4.30 a.m., but the next day, she never showed up to get her son, which was very out of character for her. The police found her car backed into the driveway of an abandoned home in the 2700 block of Lines Avenue in the Mars Hill area, not far from her uncle's house. The window was down, the keys were in the ignition, and one of the vehicle's front tires was flat. Her shoes, purse, and cell phone with the SIM card missing were located inside the car. The only thing missing from her car was her taser. Also, her purse was dumped all over the back seat, which was strange because her purse always sat in the passenger seat next to her with her taser normally right on top. Surveillance footage of the area showed a man running away from the vehicle after it was parked in the driveway. The FBI got involved in 2015 after someone posted a demand on Facebook suggesting Larissa was kidnapped and taken to another country, but it turned out to be a fake lead. The FBI also says there is no evidence that her last Facebook post, which included her phone number, led to her being kidnapped. Her family believes she could have become the victim of human trafficking, but the FBI has ruled this out. The FBI have searched houses, wooded areas, excavated land and bodies of water, but have never found any signs of her. 
It's unknown if her uncle was ruled out as a suspect, but he committed suicide in March 2017 and was once convicted of rape in 1989. Authorities have not commented on whether or not they believe he was involved in Larissa's disappearance, and as of today, this case remains unsolved. Fifteen-year-old Michael Gregory Walters II was born July 30, 2003, in Indianapolis, Indiana, to parents Jessica Monday and Michael Walters. He attended Emmerich Manual High School and was described as loyal with a passion for music and loved rapping and writing lyrics. He aspired to be a professional rapper one day and was said to have the talent for it. At some point, he mentioned to his mother that he thought that someone would kill him but never elaborated on any details. On June 25, 2019, his premonitions would come true and tragedy would strike in the home he shared with his family at 1738 South Talbot Street in Indianapolis. While Mikey was in his bedroom playing video games with a friend, he was struck by gunshots that came through his bedroom window. Sadly, he would pass away the next day, but was able to save the lives of eight other people through the generous gift of organ donation. Neighbors reported seeing four young people outside of the Walters family home right before the gunshots were heard. However, this was not the first time that Mikey was shot. While the details are slim, six months earlier, he was shot while on FaceTime and survived. Less than six weeks after Mikey's murder, another young life was taken in the same way, just six miles from his house, when multiple people opened fire into a home on North Hovey Street in Indianapolis. 20-year-old Tatiana Sims was struck and killed by multiple gunshots, along with her three-year-old daughter, but she miraculously survived. These are just two of the 171 homicides committed in 2019 in Indianapolis alone. The killers in both these cases remain at large, and as of June 2022, this case remains unsolved. On April 16, 2022, a mushroom hunter stumbled upon a strange item in a rural part of eastern Washington County in New Pekin, Indiana. The item turned out to be a hard suitcase with the distinctive Las Vegas design on its front and back that someone had dumped near I-65 just 25 miles north of Louisville. It was located approximately 80 feet off the roadway near the 7,000 block of East Holder Road in a heavily wooded area. Found inside was the small body of a young boy. The mushroom hunter immediately called 911 and the Washington County Sheriff's Department responded along with detectives with the Indiana State Police to investigate. The boy was described as a young African-American male, approximately five years old, with a small build and short haircut, and it appeared he had died sometime in the previous week. Two days after the discovery, a toll-free tip line was established, and investigators received hundreds of calls from the public. Unfortunately, none of those calls led to the boy's identification, and many of the calls were related to information of children already documented as missing. 
Many of the calls were to suggest that the body belonged to missing four-year-old Cody Bigsby. Little Cody went missing in January 2022 in Hampton, Virginia, but he was ruled out. State police said that the boy's description hasn't matched that of any Indiana children reported missing. On May 27, 2022, about five weeks after the discovery, official autopsy and toxicology reports were released. The report attributes the child's death to electrolyte imbalance. The report also states the imbalance was likely from a viral gastroenteritis and says the blood toxicology was negative. The report further states there was an absence of significant traumatic injuries, advising there was no anatomical cause of death. After the autopsy results were released, detectives also stated they have no evidence which leads them to believe that the child was alive when placed into the suitcase and that the child was clothed and clean. Although the autopsy report states the child is of unknown age, investigators still believe the boy was approximately five years old at the time of his death. Some theorize that someone attempted to smuggle him in that suitcase from point A to point B and he died in transport. That person could have panicked and tossed it into the wooded area. Investigators continue to utilize a variety of investigative techniques and have worked with several outside agencies during this investigation. They are not ruling out the possibility that the child could be from out of state or even out of the country. For reasons unknown, a sketch of the boy has yet to be released, and as of today, this case remains unsolved. Thanks for joining me today on Southern Girl Crime Stories. Please be sure to check out my YouTube channel for these stories, along with photos of victims, suspects, location of murders, and more. As always, your support is very much appreciated, and I look forward to seeing y'all next time.